When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome. This is the Barcelona Podcast brought to you by Francis Tomas and Dan Hilton. We are delighted you're here to listen to an opinionated take on the hottest breaking stories from the Camp No. Thanks to all you who have already visited the BarcelonaPodcast.com. Of course, that is our website where you can subscribe, comment, and support the show by taking advantage of the many deals we offer. Let's get started, Frances. The transfer window has been open for quite some time, and one name that we're going to be talking about today has come to the forefront. There are many names coming to the forefront over the transfer window. Today we're going to look at Paulinho in particular, but then we're going to move on and look at Valverde's plans for the future, and we'll have a final comment on the transfer market and how it's spanning out for Barca. So let's get started. Yeah, of course, you mentioned the big name we're going to talk about is a name that not many Kules had thought they'd be talking about coming into the transfer window, but fortunately for a few, or unfortunately for it sounds like most of the Barcelona community, Barcelona are heavily linked to Paulinho, and it's not really certain whether or not he is the plan B to Marco Baratti, or whether or not Paulinho is truly seen as a guy that the Barcelona board think can be an important player for Barcelona next season. Certainly, Paulinho is a name that the, the, the Catalan media have been throwing around for quite some time. Uh, as we spoke in our previous episodes of the Barcelona podcast, um, we honestly thought it was a bit of a joke, to be honest. We thought that Paulinho's name was being mentioned um, sort of as a hidden sort of secret curtain for all the players to be being negotiated with in the background, but it doesn't seem to be the case. It looks like Paulinho actually 
is a serious target for Barca. So in today's podcast, we're going to try and analyze how he could improve Barca. Was he coming here? And we're trying to stop the negativity that I am sort of sensing myself moving towards. So let's do that. Yeah, Frances, we've got to resist that urge to be overtly negative this round because the Brazilian, as you mentioned, 29 years old, while he and Verratti are both linked to the club, Verratti is much more difficult to obtain, obviously, with the PSG board. However, Jeezy Evergrande or Gunzao Evergrande over in China seem to be giving some opposition as well. And, and it can be a more a frustrating idea for a lot of Kules to think that we can't even get a player like Paulinho. And you talk about that positivity. So I was trying to break down what a move for Paulinho could mean and how it could help Barcelona. So I'm going to only try to take it from that response as opposed to being very negative and assuming that he's a player that's not Barcelona quality. So assuming that Paulinho and all that he does fits what Barcelona are going to try to do next year, some of the positives that he could bring looking at him is that he is used to not only at Tottenham, but over in China as well, playing in a high press. He's a very physical player. And while most fans of not just fans of Barcelona, but all fans around the world, they get very excited about offensive signings. I think Paulinho could excite fans for what he can do defensively as a defensive reinforcement. Now, looking most recently in the 4 nothing friendly win against Australia in June with Brazil, and of course, his international friendly, you don't put too much stock in that. He was partnered with Felipe Coutinho in the middle of the field and in front of David Luiz. So obviously David Luiz playing the center defensive mid tells you that, yes, it's a friendly. So Brazil experimenting a little bit. But that formation was a similar formation to the 4-3-3 that Barcelona plays. Now that said, he's also been an aerial threat in China, particularly in the AFC Champions League. So obviously that's the Champions League in Asia where he has a number of goals through the air. And I'm thinking that the pursuit of Paulinho may indicate a slight change in formation for Valverde when the situation merits it. Valverde in the past has played a 4-2-3-1, and it wouldn't be surprising then to see Paulinho slot next to Busquets in that formation. Having this kind of formation in your back pocket, I think, could help Barcelona be a little more dangerous in situations where it merits it, as I had said. And the other thing is that the board may also be looking at his recent work with Neymar to kind of boost the idea of having those two together and of course the board has been very adamant of adding Brazilians recently and we'll talk a little bit more about another Brazilian they have added later in the show. Certainly I think that in terms of Paulinho coming to Barca if if it did become a reality which it seems very likely that the, the transfers are going to be finalized this coming week what the Barca board is trying to get is Paulinho's physicality. He's a player that seems to be able to move around the whole pitch Obviously, starting from the center of midfield, he can support the defense, um, dropping back within the Barca formation. It remains unclear as to what Ernesto Valverde wants to do with him if he wants to be signed. Most likely, he will play instead of Busquets whenever Busquets is unavailable. But there's also a possibility that he would take, say, the interior derecha, which is interior on the right, so the midfielder on the right, and that would be Rakitic's role. Um, Obviously, Rakitic is a player that has plenty of quality. He's defensive when he needs to be. He's able to track back whenever that's necessary. And he adds a lot of balance to the team. But I think that what the Barca board and the Barca staff are trying to get by chasing Paulinho is adding that strength, that stamina, and that know-how in terms of positioning to, to be able to track back. Now, at 29 years old, it remains to be seen whether he's a, a long-term addition to the team. Um, I've got my own opinion on that. I think it's pretty clear. 
But um, what the board may be trying to do is get a player that can have instant impact and can support the team in a way that players such as, say, Denis Suarez or Rafinha even, when, and definitely Arda Turan, weren't able to do last season. Yeah, when you talk about that physicality, Francis, in the midfield, have Barcelona have a, had a player as physical as Paulinho since Yaya Torre? Well, no, no, no is the answer, simple answer to that. And also, say Keita, when Jaya today was there and Keita were there, they were adding something that the typical Barca, in Catalonia we sort of call it Barca DNA player, um, doesn't normally have, which is that physical strength, that even ability to be aggressive whenever needed, that, you know, those, those fouls whenever the other team is countering. So basically stopping what the other team is trying to create. A little bit like Casemiro has been doing at Real Madrid this season. Um, I think that probably is where the thinking is. And uh, given all his performances, obviously in China, but you know you need to take that with a pinch of salt. But definitely with Brazil, he has been doing quite well um, in that respect. And I think that's what the board is trying to achieve here. It seems to be the Brazilian performances, as you mentioned, that the board are analyzing most when thinking about how Paulinho is going to fit in at Barcelona. And while we had said that it looks like this deal could be done potentially even by the time this podcast hits your ears, but potentially by the end of this week, like every other Barcelona transfer rumor, it seems like nothing is simple, nothing is easy as, you know, as, as, as we made, we're making mention that GZ Evergrande led, of course, by Luis Felipe Scolari, who's a well-known coach, particularly as the leader of the Brazilian national team in the past. They lead the table by one point through 16 matches over Shanghai SIPG with Oscar and Hulk. And those two two names, I just say one name, and people know who Oscar and Hulk are. So they don't want to sell him until January because unlike the leagues in Europe, the Chinese league right now is in its midseason. So that's why Scolari and the board, particularly the president, in Zhu Jiayin, and apologies, of course, to our Chinese Super League fans for butchering many of the names that you're going to hear from the Chinese side of things. But the president of GZ, Evergrande, has even said that he doesn't want to sell while they're in the midseason. They have aspirations of not only winning the AFC Champions League, but they want to win the Chinese Super League. They want to continue to attract bigger players to the league, but for less money, because as we talked about in the past as well, with uh, even trying to sell Arter Tehran to China, now having a player come the other way is um, a, a similar a similar bit of contention in that it's going to be difficult for them to be able to replace his kind of quality simply because they're going to be limited in how much they're going to be able to spend of that whatever winds up being $20 million plus $2 million variables is, is what it seems like the next offer could be, but that, of course, I could get inflated to get the deal done. So looking at how difficult it might be to get Paulinho away, I think the two questions you have to ask, is Paulinho going to be worth it if this one it drags on past this week? And two, is Paulinho coming mean the end of the pursuit of Verratti? Because while Verratti and Paulinho are quite different players, are Barcelona going to have all the money to be able to send Verratti as well if he's finally able to get away from PSG? Because as we mentioned, every passing day, it seems like PSG puts up how much money it's going to cost to get Verratti away. Certainly. I think that everything links back to what we said in our previous episode, episode 13, that I seriously recommend uh, to our listeners to go back and, and, and have a listen if they haven't. 
We talked about Berati, we talked about the midfield conundrum, really, and it comes down to that. Barca at this moment in time have 11 to 12 different midfielders that um, are going to get paid quite good money to be part of the squad. If you're adding, say, Paulinho, and you're paying, say, 30 million euros for him, or 40 even, because, you know, GZ Evergrande don't seem to be willing to negotiate, which, to be honest, I never thought I was ever going to find myself saying in my life, but there we go, just said it. And then, say we sign Verratti, which doesn't seem very likely at all, given the fact that PSG just simply point-blank refused to even negotiate. Even if those two things happen, which are huge, particularly Verratti's arrival, really, really unlikely, then you end up with a huge player wage to pay, which then means that you need to sell at least two or three of those players for profit to be able to afford it. So the whole midfield situation, the fact that we're chasing midfielders despite having 12 in our squad already, makes very little sense in my eyes. I think ideally you would have won players like Arda, Turan or even Rafinha and possibly even Denis Suarez being offered, not necessarily sold, but being offered and given a you know transferable sort of tag for other players to other teams to, to come and see the players. But um, that doesn't seem to have happened and I'd really concern for the economic well being of the club when we've got so many players that to be honest, haven't necessarily re- made such a great impact given the, the fact that they get paid such a great amount of money. And Frances, you mentioned the pressure on Ernesto Valverde, and that brings us straight into topic two, into what Ernesto Valverde, when by the time this podcast is in your ears, it's going to be July 12th when the Barcelona players are back to practicing a large number of them and Valverde is getting his first look at these players so what exactly he wants to bring in and who exactly he wants to send in the opposite direction are going to be have to be answered pretty quickly and we've talked about the players leaving potentially in Arda Turan even maybe Rafinha, Denis Suarez and of course Munir El Haddadi and potentially Sergi Samper but I think just again, trying to be more positive this show, Frances, is what Valverde's relationship is going to be with the best players. Bayern Munich have made major moves, most recently adding James Rodriguez on loan. Real Madrid, we've begrudgingly given them praise about how they've handled their transfer business in the last few years and how they've strengthened their squad and how strong particularly their midfield is. So Barcelona, not to say they're trying to catch up on squad depth, but if we focus on the positive, and if Valverde can get the best out of Luis Enrique, Neymar, Lionel Messi, Sergio Busquets, Marc-Andre de Stegen, Gerard Piquet, Samuel Umtiti, Jordi Alba, the, you know, the core of the team. If he can get the best out of the starting 11, that will always mean that Barcelona are challenging for Champions League. Now, the Liga is more of a grind, and that's going to need squad depth, but Barcelona can also still win those big matches in the Liga if Valverde can get the best out of his players. And the other thing that we're going to talk about Real quick, Frances, not to switch this up a little bit, but the positive relationship that Valverde has with the media that isn't opposite of Luis Enrique. Luis Enrique always, he was willing to talk to them, but whether or not he gave it his all or was very positive with the media is another story. But Valverde just seems to be a calming presence. He's very methodical. He doesn't give away too much, of course. He tries to keep things secretive. Now, for me, Frances, that's a positive and a negative. The positive being, if things are working, he seems like this silent genius. But if things aren't working, 
that tends to make those quieter, reserved managers seem bumbling and lacking ideas when things go south. Without a doubt, I, I agree with what you said. And uh, I, I'd just like to elaborate a little bit more. And I want to unpick it as well. The first point, I think, if Barca fans are looking at what Real Madrid is doing in this transfer window, or they're looking at pretty much what Chelsea is doing, and uh, pretty much every other major club in Europe is doing right now, uh, there is reason to be a little bit depressed because the players that we were chasing, they're not really likely to come at this moment in time. Hopefully things do change in the next couple of weeks, but it's not looking very, very good at the moment. Then if you move forward and, and you look at what Valverde has been doing so far, well, to be honest, he hasn't seemed to be doing much, or at least he hasn't spoken to the media about what he's thinking. And uh, I'm really eager to find out what his, let's say, his attitude towards his new job is in his first press conference. Um, someone in our Barcelona.com Facebook page quite correctly pointed out the fact that Valverde hasn't really said anything. So Barca fans are a little bit sort of unsure as to which way he's going to take in, the, in very different topics. I mean, I'm not doubting for one second he's a very successful manager, very capable manager that has, has been really good both in Spain and in Greece. He's coached teams that um, have sort of avoided the relegation zone as a target and he's done well there. And uh, whenever he's been in a major club in a league, which obviously he was at Olympiacos in Greece, he's done well and he's gone on to win many titles. So I think that the, the opportunity to join Barca comes at a perfect step stage in his career. Um, as we mentioned in our podcast before, he's a Barca man himself. He played for Barca in the, 19, in the late 1980s and he knows the club fairly well. So I really do think that we need to know what he thinks once the, press, the first press conference happens, we will have a clearer idea what what his plans are. Yeah, we're expecting that he'll play that 4-3-3, but for those who are so proud of the tactical approaches that Barcelona have taken, he's a guy that's going to bring in a, a few different ideas potentially. Looking at the formations he employed last year at Athletic Bilbao, he played a 4-2-3-1 more regularly than anything else, and then he had also played a 4-4-2. In that 4-2-3-1, though, to harp on that, Ardis Adariz, of course, Barcelona fans know him in his mid-30s now, just a, a monster in front of goal, particularly in the air, played up top as that one. And then Raul Garcia, who again, Barcelona fans will remember not only at Bilbao, but before that for many years at Atletico Madrid. And Raul Garcia usually was playing on the right side, cutting in and trying to use his left foot, which I, I would hope reminds most Barcelona fans of another player that Barcelona have, a guy who usually plays on the right, but of course can cut inside and has a pretty wicked left foot. Now, if Barcelona were to have that 4-2-3-1 at their disposal, I'd be interested to see how that plays into the aging of Andres Iniesta or allowing Lionel Messi to play closer towards the mid middle of the field. Potentially, Messi even, this is going to be depending on the We'll say some of the prowess of Gerard Delafeu. We expect him to be a bench player, but let's say Delafeu winds up really fitting into what Barcelona is doing, and that allows Messi to truly play in the middle. Or maybe you have Rafinha out on the wing, or Tehran, where he played a lot for Atletico Madrid, plays on the wing, or whoever it is on that right wing. That would also potentially bring in Messi to play at that number 10 role. And then the two behind him would potentially be Busquets, Andre Gomez, and a number and Javier Maserano, even a number of players there. But then you have to figure out where Andres Iniesta goes. So for me, Frances, there's a lot going into the formations that 
Valverde could bring. And just like you said, we don't know anything of what he's thinking, but I think with looking at his past and what he's done as a manager formation-wise, I'm really interested to see if he's going to put new ideas and put his imprint on some of the formations they're playing. And of course, as we mentioned in the past, they could play a 3-5-2 as well with those three at the back. And a last little aside, as we were talking about Bilbao, one of the stories that's kind of circulating in world football right now is something that the Bilbao team should be praised for, and that's shaving their heads in support of the 22-year-old center back they have in Yuri Alvarez, who, of course, has been battling testicular cancer all summer. Not only do we hope he makes a speedy recovery, but again, he's one of the most promising CBs in Spain. And for me, Frances, I'd rather have a player of his quality out on the field than having to be off it because of injury or issues, or particularly cancer, of course, being um, the worst of those three. So a speedy recovery for him and for Belbao, kudos to them as well. Undoubtedly, and I, I cannot even begin to explain how damaging cancer can be for, for people that obviously go through it, but not just that, but the people around them. So I think that what Atleti Bilbao have done this summer to show support for the fellow teammate is, is commendable. And um, obviously Valverde is no longer there, but I think the fact that Valverde is such a nurturing, influential, convincing sort of father figure and has been for so many years in Bilbao has brought that team together. And uh, it's the fact that they're all supporting each other to, to reach a common goal. And he does it from, from a basis of respect and he's a very sort of approachable man. So I think although Valverde is no longer there because he obviously is, is with us now at Barcelona, what he planted, the city planted in Bilbao and what he promoted um, has resulted in, in the whole team being so supportive of, of, of the teammate at this moment in time. So for that, um, obviously, I am honoured to have him at Barca, to be honest. Now, coming back to your original point, uh, in terms of formation, as I said, we don't know what he's going to do, but let's just take it as there's going to be three forwards, and I I would think he's not going to touch the Messi, Suarez, Neymar front three, I think, at least at the beginning. And while Iniesta is, is having a sort of um, a main role within our formation, I think Iniesta should, should continue to play. Hopefully he gets respected by injuries and uh, father time takes a lot of time to defeat him. So and if Iniesta is fit, I think the front three will remain untouched and Messi will continue with his role, which is basically going wherever he wants, doing whatever he wants, whatever he sees fit. And then Neymar mostly um, wide on the left wing, but cutting through the middle, combining with Suarez whenever he can and, and is able to do that. So I wouldn't touch the front three at this moment in time. In terms of... Um, the back line, I would assume that he's going to continue to play four at the back. Um, I, I sort of foresee Jordi Alba having a much more important role than he has had, particularly in this last season, as we spoke about in our previous episodes. Um, at right back, to be honest, at this moment in time, I see Alex Vidal starting. Um, he came back to full fitness at the end of last season. He had a couple of good games at the end. And uh, I am hearing, um, because of my friends who have contacts in the Camp Nou that, um, and in Catalonia as well, that he's been training hard in the off-season, going for long runs and uh, keeping, uh, not only keeping his fitness up, but actually improving on that in the off-season, like, say, the NBA players have traditionally done. 
So I think that that's a positive. Uh, in the center of defense, I see PK and Umtiti being the starting partnership and having Umtiti playing even more regularly this season. Now that, if the, um, obviously Ter Stegen will be the goalkeeper. So you've got one, four, something going on in the middle and the front three. Now in the middle, I honestly think that he's going to try to stick to what Barca have traditionally done over the last decade, which is having Busquets uh, as the holding midfielder, but also with a creative um, flair to his game. And then sticking with interior izquierda and derecha, which is left and right interior midfielder. So I think he's not going to touch that formation. However, if uh, things begin to not go his way, there is a possibility he could include a double pivot, which is um, someone alongside Busquets that traditionally has been Mascherano whenever Barca has needed to do that. And then leaving maybe Messi dropping into the third one and maybe, as you said, uh, get Dolofeo in the front three. So it really remains to be seen what he's going to do. But I think the bottom line is going to have to be having enough quality players in the squad to be successful in Spain while rotating in terms of La Liga and having the best 11, whatever he decides that that is, I don't think it, should, it will change a lot from the previous season, particularly Verratti and Bellerin are not signed, which doesn't seem too likely at the moment. Um, but um, having the best 11 playing in the, in the European stage while rotating in, in Spain seems like a good plan. But again, I am eager to hear what he's got to say and certainly, you know, I can't wait to see the first preseason game so that we've got a clear picture of uh, what Valverde is thinking at this moment in time. I, I don't want to backtrack too much, but I would say I do have a lot of formations at everybody, and if anyone's trying to write it down at home of all the numbers I kept saying and all the people I put in different places, I do wholeheartedly agree with you, Francis, that he's going to come in, and of course they're going to play the traditional 4-3-3 that Barcelona have had so much success with, and even when the world of football around them seems to be changing in formations and, again, three at the back, counterattacking styles, Barcelona have been steadfast in playing the Barcelona way, and that has continued to give them success due to the quality and the skill and the players that they have. So I agree with you. I think they're going to go into the season playing that 4-3-3. Now, I'm just saying that Valverde, as you said, if things don't go according to plan— that he could bring in a lot of positive ideas on how to potentially get them playing the right way again. And if that means switching up formations, that, that's something I think, if it leads to victories and gets them back on a winning track, then it would be something, of course, that we would support. Now, as you had mentioned, Verratti and Bellerin, that takes us to our last topic. We're going to talk a little bit about the transfer market. And for Barcelona right now, they've been showing their hand. They're going after Marco Verratti, Hector Bellerin, Paulinho. Of course, those three players, they're fighting for aggressively, and they really haven't been shy about saying those are the players that we want to bring in, and yet none of the three have been brought in just yet. So I think for bigger clubs, what I would take away from this is that they're having a real difficulty keeping their transfer business quiet, but I think Barcelona is just trying to get out ahead of that and saying these are the players they're going after. And as you had mentioned, Paulinho we hoped would be some kind of you know red herring as Barcelona were trying to do their other business behind the scenes, but Paulinho really is what Barcelona is going after. And as I said, Barcelona and other bigger clubs having difficulty keeping things quiet because every player, and as we had talked about in the past, a lot of agents might say, my client is reportedly being talked to by Barcelona, and that just puts the player's value up by $10 million, even if Barcelona never spoke to them, or $2 million or $5 million or whatever it is. But let's say you have a, a player that is you know, middle of the table in, in the Liga or something like that, and again, an agent wants to try to boost his 
respectability, just being linked to one of those big clubs sometimes can make them a little more money. And with journalists, sometimes even being able to guess who some of those targets are for big clubs, they have a harder time even keeping it quiet. Now, one way to get around that, Frances, and that brings us to the one signing that Barcelona have made other than Delafeu, and that is Vitinho from Palmeiras over in Brazil to play for Barcelona B. He'll be brought in on a loan deal with a 15 million euro option to buy. For me, that's a low-risk chance to uncover a gem and not worry about having to fit him into the midfield in the first team. Again, worrying about a billion midfielders that they have at their disposal. They did the same thing with Marlon Santos, and we see how well that's worked. Vitinho, we don't know anything about him, and I'd love to hear what you think of him first, but I guess also we can address Barcelona's overall transfer market so far. Right. In terms of Vitinho, he's a player that um, Gerard Lopez, who is a Barca B coach, has been after for quite some time. Um, my understanding is that he there's been scouts from Barca going down to, to his original club to see what his performance has been like. Um, but uh, Vitinho was going to join us uh, only if we got promoted to Segunda División, which fortunately Barca B managed to do that. And uh, if Gerard Lopez thinks that's a player that's going to improve the squad, then I, I cannot do anything else but trust him in his judgment. Uh, let's not forget that this is the coach that actually instilled enough belief in our youngsters for them to be promoted to the second division A, which is a fantastic news. So I think I don't know that much about Paulinho as a player myself, and but what I do know is that the Gerard Lopez and the board have done the due diligence and they think that Paulinho is the right choice. So at this moment in time, particularly when it comes to Wasabi, we're just going to have to trust that they are doing the right thing because there's nothing else much more for us to do. What I think of Vitinho so far, he's only got a few highlight reels online. And what I've watched of the player is that he knows how to use his body. And again, he's still only a teenager. And the one thing apparently missing, however, is that final ball. But of course, when you're watching on, you know, grainy YouTube videos, you don't really know if the other youth players he's playing with know how to make the proper runs or putting themselves in the right positions for him. But all that you can see is from youth age up is if those players have that extra little bit of ingenuity and skill. And he seems to be a player who has a few, quite a few highlights of showing himself very good on the ball. And I think he's going to be an exciting player for Barcelona B. And as I said, he's one for the future. And you'd always hope that like a lot of those other major clubs, if Barcelona went after him, that there might be some potential that he's a player that grows and you can be patient with. Definitely. No, I, I agree with you in that respect. But um, these YouTube videos, like I could make a video of my grandma being particularly great at, you know, dunking in the NBA. All I need to do is leave my grandma with my arms and make a, make sure that she dunks and sort of puts her tongue out in Michael Jordan style. I can do that as well. I've watched those YouTube reels as well, but... You know, that, that, I think that's quite, I would call it fiction. You know, it's, that's not reality. When I say that I haven't seen him play as such for a continued period of time is that I haven't watched a whole game in which he's made an impact. And to me, football is not about um, I can do a back heel or I can, you know, scissor kick or whatever. It's all about the influence you got on the game. So I don't have enough information to, to go on about that. Now, coming back to your original point about the transfer window now, um, a, lot of play, a lot of teams have secured players that are really going to be making a difference. And Barca at this moment in time, for whatever reason, and most of us would say it's because the board are quite unable to handle themselves in a transfer window. But for whatever reason, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. 
then they, we haven't secured any players that are going to make an impact um, from day one. And all I wanted to say is that it's getting to a point in which, you know, pre-season is right around the corner. Uh, the ball starts rolling in the training ground in a week's time. And the team remains the same as it was last season. And, you know, Barca fans are rightfully a little bit anxious about what the future may bring. Obviously, we've got a, a starting eleven, which is fantastic. And our starting eleven can compete with any team in the world and most likely be victorious nine out of ten times. But we need to get him better year on year. And if you're not going to sign a starting player, say e.g. Verratti, then you need to sign someone that could add quality to the squad so they can potentially grow into becoming that. But um, the point I wanted to make is that at this moment in time, the transfer window, in my eyes, is far too quiet and ineffective for Barca to improve next season, which is what fans demand on a yearly basis. Yeah, that's a great point, that the pressure right now is on Barcelona. And while we've been trying to be positive all show, it shouldn't be understated that some things should be happening soon with Barcelona. And that's not just players coming in. Of course, that's most important to see how they can boost the team, but also figure out how to handle their business and get some money back by selling players one, their market value is at its highest over the summer. And that's a difficult thing for any club to do, to figure out when a player is at his peak to be sent off. And you even look, as I had just mentioned, with the way Real Madrid, again, had to basically wait and then to get for Bayern Munich to get James Rodriguez on loan is a terrific move for Bayern. But you'd have to think that maybe Real Madrid might have missed their window to sell off James Rodriguez. And so it's a double-edged sword to know exactly when is the best time to get players to be brought in. And of course, a lot of the time, as we see with Barcelona, that we've both been very critical of is that sometimes it feels like it takes a little bit too long to finalize a lot of their deals. And that'll take us right into the fan question, Frances. And we had two fan questions today with a similar topic. Both James Coulet and Jeff Cooper both basically asked, well, Cesc Fabregas seems to have been changing his game and while he had some ups and some downs at Barcelona, could he be an option potentially to return to the camp? No, no, he can't. Um, I, I thought it was a very interesting question, and uh, the fact that two people asked the same thing actually um, actually means something. Is that people are thinking about possible solutions? I don't think Cesc Fabregas can come back to the camp. No, simply because he was a failure when he was with us. Um, it's not necessarily the impact in terms of passes and goals, because to be honest, it was, that wasn't that bad. It was more about the fact that the Camp Nou faithful didn't necessarily see him trying very hard. Um, he, the level of commitment, the level of willingness that um, we expect from a player that was signed for that amount of money, and to be honest, was so desperate to come back, and it's just it just didn't add up. Of other camp no and uh, that is why he didn't get jeered off but um, whistles and what in Catalonia we call the run run which is sort of constant complaining and moaning of people within the stadium when a certain player touches the ball that was getting because um, we're another hand really and being a local player that he obviously is he very quickly realized I'm not very well liked here in terms of the footballing abilities, you know, Cesc Fabregas is a fantastic player. He's made an impact in every single team that he's played for. 
but at Barca he wasn't up to the standard that was expected of him and that situation became quite negative and I think he was right to leave. So if Seth Fabregas had no links to Barca, had never played for us, he could be an option, but given what's happened in the past, I think his time at Barca has definitely gone. Well, I promised I would try to stay positive this show, so I don't have much more to add to that about Cesc Fabregas coming back to the club. So that'll pretty much wrap up the show, Frances. And as we always do, we want to thank everyone so much for listening. And, of course, you can head to thebarcelonapodcast.com to subscribe, comment, or support the show and by taking advantage of the many deals we offer as well. And we also want to make mention today, if you listen to us on iTunes, particularly in the United States, the UK, Spain, Nigeria, China, wherever you may be listening, please give us a review, rate us, let us know, give us feedback to help us make the show even better, particularly for you, the Barcelona podcast community and the Barca blog community as well. As we again thank you for listening to the Barcelona podcast, where we're trying to bring you the hottest breaking stories from the Camp No. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon at Forza Barca. Forza! Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.